This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 100 with Amy Moses. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 100. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Episode 100. If you want to go grab yourself like a bottle of champagne before you listen, not only would it be helpful in celebrating our 100th episode, but it's also kind of an episode you might want to be, have a little drink for. So I'm so excited about having Amy Moses here. And I was so excited when it turned out that she could be our 100th episode guest, because this is a really fun conversation, which might be a little surprising to you when you see that I'm interviewing a physical therapist, like how fun and exciting could that be? But I'm telling you, we dive deep today and we tell some funny stories because when you pee your pants all the time as a mom, you have some funny stories to tell, right? So I know Amy personally and professionally. I first met her when she was my physical therapist for my pelvic floor rehab after I had Vinny, but we in, since then have forged somewhat of a more personal relationship in just becoming cheerleaders for each other's work. So I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit about where she comes from. Amy Moses graduated from the University of Mississippi Medical Center, earning a doctor of physical therapy degree. She then relocated to Seattle to complete her residency program through the Ola Grimsby Institute, where she received her certification of orthopedic manual therapy. She then received specialized training through the Herman Wallace Institute in pelvic floor rehabilitation and pregnancy and postpartum related issues. She specializes in all things women's health and pelvic floor and is passionate about helping women find healing and freedom so that they can live a full, confident life. She enjoys meeting with women and educating women on their bodies and is part of the movement to normalize women's health physical therapy to all women. She practices as a women's health physical therapist near Memphis, Tennessee, and she is a mom of two little ladies, ages one and three. 
So I met Amy a few years ago when she was working in Seattle and I sent myself to my doctor to beg of her, like, why am I peeing my pants? And my doctor sent me to Amy and said, Amy's the best person in Seattle doing this work. Go see her. I've sent a ton of people to her. She's phenomenal. And that's where our story began. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as we get into the episode and how we first met and what I expected versus what actually happened, because things got real deep and real personal really fast. So we'll talk a little bit about what happens when you go to a pelvic floor physical therapist. I make it sound a little daunting. It was a little daunting, but Amy made it so comfortable and she made it seem relatable and it wasn't scary once we got going. So she was a phenomenal practitioner and I wish that she was still here in Seattle because I would love to be able to send all of my mom friends here in Seattle to her. So if you're in Memphis and you are having any pelvic floor issues, make sure you go see her and you can find information to reach her through today's show notes over at shamelessmom.com by clicking on episode 100. So today we're going to be talking about all things related to pelvic floor. We're going to be helping you normalize this because here's the thing, you are not the only one. You are not alone. And even if you're not a mom, you probably have some of these things going on. So today Amy's going to share the truth about incontinence, about pain with sex, about pelvic pain that most of us experience. This is a very common outcome of childbirth. She's also going to talk about why this major women's health issue is critical in our current political landscape. We're also going to talk about Kegels and Amy will tell us why Kegels can actually make everything worse, not better. So maybe lay off the Kegels if you think you're doing yourself a lot of favors with them. She's also going to talk about, this is so fascinating to me, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me before, but she's going to talk about why the pad and panty liner industry is making a killing off of us because we've accepted that we will just always pee our pants. So we're just going to buy pads all the time. It doesn't have to be that way, actually. She's also going to talk about what you can do or what you can expect when you first go to pelvic floor physical therapy, and she's going to share how you can find a great pelvic floor physical therapist in your area. This was a fun conversation, so I'm excited for you to all hear what Amy has to say. She's such a wealth of knowledge in this area, but she also does such a great job of just making this an easy, normal conversation, as it should be, because this impacts so many women. This impacts most moms and most women, so you are not alone. So let's go ahead and dive in with Amy Moses. Amy, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you today. Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here, really. It is so fun to be reconnected because when did you move from Seattle? I have lived here for two years now. So yeah. So you moved two years ago and Mm -hmm. that's the last time I had anyone digging around my pelvic floor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that kind of makes me feel special, you know. (laughs) But you know, it's so funny. And I'll preface this also with this is our 100th episode. And I wanted to do something fun and special. And when I kind of looked at the schedule, I was like, what's more fun and special than talking about like the most intimate personal thing ever? Right, right. I'm very excited about that. But I'm also really excited to talk about kind of what I went through with all this. And I have to say, like when you're going through pelvic floor physical therapy, how important it is to find someone that you trust. And I didn't know that you were going to be an extremely trustworthy person or someone who made this feel like really normal and not terrorizing, but it worked out that way. And it it was great to kind of over the course of physical therapy, build a little bit of a relationship with you. And then when you left, and I don't know if you remember this, when you told me you were leaving Seattle, 
I asked for your email address and I was like, I'm sure this is like probably illegal and inappropriate that I'm asking for personal contact information. (laughs) But I had this thought that like, I just wanted to have a connection just in case I needed anything. And I held that card for like a year. And then I reached out to you and was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I know that was so great. Well, I mean, it is special. I tell my husband all the time, I spend more time with my patients than I do with friends because I see you. Like I probably spent, seven to 10 hours with you because, you know, it's an hour long session and seven to 10 times or whatever, like you get to know each other. (laughs) And then you're talking about things that are like extremely personal and intimate. So the relationship, it grows very quickly. (laughs) I mean, within five minutes, we really know each other. So (laughs) right. Right. Yeah, it's so good. So tell us a little bit more beyond your bio. Tell us a little bit more about your personal and professional life and kind of where you're at right now. Well, my husband and I moved to the Memphis, Tennessee area from Seattle a couple years ago to be closer to family. And we had just had our first. So she was one at the time. And even though before we had her, we were like, we are not moving. We are going to do this on our own. And we love Seattle. (laughs) It was a little harder. (laughs) Once she was there. to, To navigate family. Yeah, it was a lot. So anyway, we moved back and we live about a mile from my sister and brother-in-law and my parents are three hours away and so are my husband's parents. So, And we have since had another little girl. So we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and we are just loving life. And I'm working at a small outpatient clinic doing women's health. And yeah, I think when I saw you, I was seeing a variety of patients and some women's health but now I'm just doing that and it keeps me busy and I'm so excited because I feel like the awareness is finally growing and it's taken me two years, but I feel like we're finally <laughs> getting the word spread here. Right. Um, it was a little bit easier in Seattle, but Memphis is, people are awesome here and just really caring about their health. And so, yeah, it's been good helping be a part of that. What does women's health include in your work? Well, women's health is pretty broad. I specialize in pregnancy and postpartum, and that's mainly because there's just so much we can do, you know, right after a woman goes through that incredible process. And I've found that if I can catch the women early on, you know, right after they've had a baby or in the next year or so, then we can prevent a lot of issues you know, going forward. I have some patients that are in their 60s and they've been leaking for 30 years. And I have some patients that are in their 30s and they've been leaking for 10 years or have intercourse pain or pelvic pain or whatever. But if I am trying to focus on pregnancy and postpartum. Okay. And that generally when this is actually a question I get at my gym all the time. So when mm-hmm. women have babies, it's kind of common knowledge, or at least among women who have had babies, it's kind of common knowledge that right. leaking and pelvic floor stuff is an issue. Do you also see women who have not had babies that have issues around incontinence and leaking and pregnancy does not always have to be the trigger? Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah. I have a 14-year-old right now who has incontinence. She was She's a gymnast and when she tumbles, she leaks. And it's just a lot of times women and girls have just imbalances in their pelvic floor. So whether it's from weakness of the muscles or even a lot of postural issues. So mm-hmm. I've found that the ribs play a really big role in our alignment of our pelvic floor and the way that the diaphragm lines up underneath the ribs can affect just the whole stability of the capsule that it gives you. 
your ability to hold your urine. So no, it doesn't have to just be pregnancy and postpartum. I see all kinds. Okay. So I want to ask you why you chose pelvic floor physical therapy as a specialty and women's health. I also mentioned that I remember asking you something this along these lines when we were working together. And I remember you telling me the kind of training you had to go through and what was involved in a training day. <laughs> so tell us why you chose this route. And then also tell us a little bit about how you learn how to do the work you do. <laughs> right, right. So I actually get this question all the time. And I don't have a clear answer. I kind of feel like I just fell into it. I was working in Seattle at a clinic where I saw a lot of spine patients. And I had these women who just kept having pelvic pain or tailbone pain, hip pain. And I felt like I couldn't get them completely better, you know. And then I was researching how to help them. And I started seeing pelvic floor physical therapy, which I had never heard of. I had gone through PT school and a residency program and somehow missed that this even existed as a specialty. So on a whim, I signed up for a Herman Wallace pelvic floor one class, which is just your basic pelvic floor, learn everything about it. And somehow along, I don't know, I guess I was just very distracted. I don't know why I'm missing these important things, but <laughs> I missed the fact that we were going to be the models in the class. So I showed up in my first class and within 45 minutes, I was de-pantsed and on the table <laughs> and I had three women <laughs> doing an eval on me. So oh, it was a my little... Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, there's just no better way to break the ice and it just <laughs> So, and I tell my patients, you know, they were sometimes surprised that that's what I do and I was sometimes surprised that that was what I was going to do someday. So, <laughs> we're so even funny. Well, and I'll say when my doctor referred me to you, she was like, Amy is like the person to go to in Seattle for this. And and then she also said, she's like, and it's not anything invasive. Like, she's just going to give you some exercises. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I show up and I remember, and you made everything extremely comfortable and natural feeling. So it was never awkward. But I remember like one of the first things we did was this like electrode test where electrodes were inserted into me vaginally. (laughs) And I was like, um pretty sure this is not what the doctor told me was going to happen. And it wasn't painful. I mean, it was like, and you made it so low key and comfortable that it was not a big deal. But I remember going back to the doctor and being like, just so that you know, this is actually what, what happened. Yeah. But it was also so informative because without that information, without getting that feedback from the testing that you were doing, and even from you like manually reaching inside with your hands and feeling like you could feel where there was tension and tightness and issues on my pelvic floor. Without you being able to do that, you wouldn't been able to treat me appropriately at all. And I think this is where so many women think of like, oh, I just need to do more Kegels. And it's like so much bigger than that. and so much deeper, literally and figuratively than that. So I love the work that you do and how you make people so comfortable with it. But I also, it was like kind of comforting to know that you had gone through the same like walk of shame almost where it's like, all right, right, we're just all putting our hands in each other today and we're going to see what's (laughs) going on. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's eye-opening for everyone, but it's also really normalizing. And I know that's one of the things when I reached out to you about doing the podcast is that you said you really want to kind of normalize some of this for women because these are the kinds of things that women carry with them for years and years and years and don't share with other people. So tell us a little bit about why this is really important to you right now in the current culture of the U.S. Right, right. Well, first of all, 
I feel like we should just take a moment because this podcast is, we're going to mention a lot of things that could go wrong with you and your body after or during having a baby. So at first, I just want to say thank you to all you mamas listening because your body is amazing. Like you brought forth a whole human, like or two or three into the world and you contributed to humanity in the most incredible way possible. Literally, literally. So thank you. And I along with so many other women who specialize in the pelvic floor, we literally spend our days helping you get back to a healthier and stronger and even more awesome you. So I absolutely love my job. One thing that I hear a lot is that women come to me and they're like, I don't even know why I'm here because I I mean, I leak a little bit or, you know, it's not bad. You know, I don't soak through a pad. I just have to wear a little liner or, you know, yeah, sex is a little painful, but it gets better as it goes along. And I just want ladies to know that that doesn't have to be that way. That should not be our normal. You know, we should literally not have to leak or not have pain with intercourse. It should just be a normal, you shouldn't have to think about your bladder as you go throughout the day. And becoming a mom is just incredible. And what our bodies go through throughout the pregnancy and delivery and even the after party, there's nothing like it. I was practicing as a pelvic floor PT when I got pregnant with my first. And then when she was born, I managed to have just about everything that could possibly happen to a woman happen. It literally, it happened. I had a third degree labial tear and a cystocele and a rectocele. And that's just so you know, that's where your bladder and your rectum fall into your vagina a little bit. (laughs) And my urethra tour, I had hemorrhoids, I had SI joint pain, I had incontinence and rib flaring. And then I knew where my pelvic floor muscles were before I had the baby and I knew how to turn them on. And so when I was done, you know, having the baby and the next week or so, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go ahead and start working on my pelvic floor. I couldn't find them. It's like they had just gone out with the baby. They were just completely gone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. So I like to think that I just got the gamut, you know, so that I could in some way relate to almost every woman who walks through my door. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So I had to go to pelvic floor PT and I literally, to this day, I don't have any of those issues. So even after having a second child, the second child was even easier to have. Like my recovery was so much faster and better than the first. And I think it's because I did pelvic floor PT so religiously in between the two. So that's so great. 
Yeah. And I will say the same. When I first came in, and I should say that Amy and I had a conversation prior to recording about HIPAA. And so I'm voluntarily sharing everything of my patient, doctor, confidentiality, what have you on this episode. And Amy has been so kind to let me do that. But she also wanted to be aware that like, she's not going to share my story, because that would be potentially a violation of HIPAA. So she's going to share her story, I'm going to share my story. But one of the things that I came to Amy about kind of the probably the trigger that was really put me over the edge. So after Vinny was born, I was stuck on the couch nursing and had all the sorts of feeding issues. And so I literally for like the first four months, I was either nursing or pumping every hour on the hour almost around the clock. And every time I would stand up from the couch where I was like bedridden, practically, I'd stand up from the couch and I'd be like, I think like one or two drops of pee just came out. But I kept thinking like, this will get better. And like, I would think maybe it's better. Maybe it's not. I couldn't really tell. But I kind of like there was too much going on. I couldn't really take the time to acknowledge it or deal with it. But then when Vinny was probably four or five months old, I decided to try to go running. And I made it like three minutes. And In that three minutes, I started crying because I was like, this is the most amazing feeling I've ever felt. Like I felt free for the first time since I'd given birth and I felt like strong and powerful and all these amazing things. So I'm like moved to tears by this experience of like living as myself again for the first time in so long. And then like no sooner did I have all these emotions that I was like, I think I'm totally peeing myself. (laughs) And for the next like three minutes, I kept starting to run and stopping and starting and being like, okay, if I just like rest for a minute, maybe it'll go away. And then I got to like seven and a half minutes. And I was like, no, like pee is running down my leg. And I can't even like feel that it's coming out. It's just there. I mean, it was bad. And that's when I asked my doctor, I was like, I think something's wrong. And so she said, yes, you have a cystocele. And I'm going to ask Amy to explain a little bit more about that in a minute. And that's when I started physical therapy. So for me, there was kind of this like bigger trigger where I was like, something needs to be done because I'm not willing to give this up. But I think other women probably, you know, if I had never tried to go running and I was just in this issue where like where every time I stood up, a drop of pee came out, I probably would have just thought, like, oh, well, that's just what happens. So that's all to say that there's such varying degrees, but none of it, you don't have to live with any of it, you can seek treatment for all of it. So let's back up for just a second. I know that you wanted to Amy talk a little bit about a little bit, the significance of this right now in history, I think is and you and I had talked a little bit about this via email, that women's rights are pretty much on the line and the current administration. And, you know, people feel differently about, you know, things along the lines of, you know, funding Planned Parenthood and abortion and pro-life and pro-choice and all those kinds of things. But what I think the really significant thing is, and I would love for you to touch on this, Amy, is that if we start jeopardizing women's rights and a woman's ability to be in charge of her own body, we also don't give women who are like just finding the power to say like, oh my God, I pee my pants and I want to take care of that. We're like taking that away because we're stifling all of that energy. So can you talk a little bit about that and the significance of your work? Yeah. So I have this friend who I call her my social justice friend. Like my husband really thinks that's her name. Like in my phone, she's just SJF because she, oh, she's my awesome. social justice friend. But she's just phenomenal. She's a professor and she's educating women and men on social justice and civil rights issues. And she just has a plethora of knowledge that I glean from as much as I can. Like I can't believe she lets me hang out with her. But in our conversations about women's health, and pelvic PT, she has just been blown away and even brought to anger by the lack of awareness and education around this topic, even more so because her degree is in women's studies. (laughs) And she didn't know that this type of thing even existed. And she said one time, she said that the absence of this knowledge is a form of oppression for women. And it just blew me away because that's how I felt. You know, 
we should have a good understanding about how our bodies work. That should just come with who we are. And we should have easy and affordable access to getting help with the absolute basic, common, everyday practices like peeing and pooping and having intercourse. We shouldn't have to ask for that. We shouldn't even have to be surprised when we hear that that is an option to get those things better. And we should absolutely have all those tools we need right out of the gate of becoming a mom because all of that gets reset with pregnancy and having the baby. And it should just be normal. I mean, the way that I see it is there's a gap in care between your six-week checkup postpartum and then the annual OB visit that your insurance will pay for. (laughs) And a lot can come up between that six weeks and the next year. And when you go to your six-week checkup, a lot of times you don't even know what your body is doing yet after Mm -hmm. having the baby. You may even still be bleeding. You may not have even had intercourse yet. Or, you know, you're not even supposed to technically until they say it's okay, which they just base that off of really tissue healing. And so it's that gap. And that's where I want pelvic floor PT to come in. I want it to just be standard for when you go for your six-week checkup, you get a referral, you go CPT, and then you just find out if there's anything you need to work on. And there may not be, you know, and that'd be awesome, but you would at least have the option and you would at least have the education and the tools you need to go forward in that next year with your brand new baby. Right. And in France, this is standard. Like it's it like is? every woman. Yes. Oh every woman in France in their healthcare model, I think it's like six weeks of postpartum PT. And there's no question. Bam. Get better. And they have so much better outcomes for long term incontinence and pelvic pain and even postpartum depression. Like and they it don't deal it. with this. Yes. It's kind yes. of like normalizing breast exams. Like, right, it's like, right. this is just what you should do. Like, this is this potentially preventative thing or a healing thing, depending on where you're at. But like, it's just a totally normal thing that everyone does. And then right. if you don't have anything, you know, if you don't have any specific needs or anything going on, then you can maybe be excused a little early or whatever. But yeah, like you're right. saying, if it's just part of standard care, it makes it so different. I wouldn't have half of my class in my boot camps, like trying to cross their legs while they're doing jumping jacks, which right. you can't do. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about the symptoms that people come to you with. I mean, you've mentioned a few of them. And then also, what are some of the conditions that contribute to those symptoms? And at that point, you can explain what a cystocele is and how awesome. Okay. <laughs> yes. So probably my main patient population deals with incontinence a little bit and maybe deals with some pelvic pain or pain with intercourse. And is pelvic pain like cramps <clears throat> or what is that? Yeah, it can be a gamut of things. So you can have pelvic pain just constantly. So chronic pelvic pain where you just have a discomfort in the pelvic region or all over. Because if your body is hurting in one area, it will affect the whole thing. I have several women who have chronic pelvic pain who they just hurt and it takes the life out of them. They can't do very much, you know, except just manage to get through their day. And then I have patients that have dysperinia, which it's pain with intercourse so or penetration. So tampon use or go into the gynecologist visit or but pain with intercourse is kind of the main issue I see with that. And a lot of women have this. That was something I didn't know until I started in this world is how many women deal with that and how many women silently deal with that. And it's relatively 
easy to treat. Basically, dyspareunia is most of the time it's hypertonicity of the pelvic floor muscles. So it's where your muscles in the pelvic floor are in a state of spasm. And it's like a Charlie horse in your vagina and it hurts. That sounds amazing. I know, right? (laughs) That's like the worst thing I can imagine. No, it's like if your hamstring gets a Charlie horse, you wouldn't like go hit it. You know, you would (laughs) stretch it out and get it better, (laughs) put heat on it and do long stretches and not hurt it. But so many women think that and it's just because we don't know that that's just how their body's made or, you know, they're just small or their husband is large or they were just like this, you know, and you can have that from any number of things. I had this at first for a few years before I even knew it was an issue. I thought it was just normal, you know, just at the beginning, just to have that until I got treatment. So it's very life-giving to get that part back for you. Right. And then I have women who come in with cystoceles, rectoceles, any kind of prolapse where an organ in your pelvis drops down a little bit. So there's different degrees. But so personally, I had a cystocele where my bladder dropped a little bit and just kind of gave pressure to the vaginal wall. And some women don't even know that it exists. And sometimes it's not diagnosed all the time. But, you know, some symptoms you can have with it are some are pain with intercourse or incontinence, or you just feel dryness when you wipe or discomfort. Mm. But it's relatively common in a younger population. And I think the awareness around that is growing as well. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned one of my other symptoms, and I mentioned all this in case any of you guys are having the same symptoms, and you just thought it was normal, because not just because I love to talk about all the things that happened to me, but one of the other symptoms that I had that you could tell me if this was from the cystocele, I'm assuming it was, is that I would pee and I'd be like, okay, I'm done. And I'd like go to stand up and then like three more drops would come out. And I'm like, oh, wait, actually, I'm not done. And, right, and right. After yes, I first that's had, called dribbling. <laughs> yes. And after I first had Vinny, I literally wouldn't feel like... I would stand up and I would not know that more pee was coming out until I was like, oh, and now it's like on the seat and the floor. Like, I didn't even feel it happening. Now, if I'm trying to hurry, it will happen every now and then. But it's like, I can feel it. And I can tell, like, I just have to be aware of like, let yourself finish for a second <laughs> before I stand up. And then it's fine. So any of these symptoms are thing like reasons to go get checked out, not just reasons to like, invest in like the Costco box of panty liners or pads for the, right, rest of, right. know, for the foreseeable oh. future. And we are totally getting marketed to. I saw a commercial the other day. In the commercial, there was a mom and she was going to an exercise class and it showed her putting a penny liner into her bag with her yoga mat or whatever. And I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, they know this exists. Yes. You know? And there's incontinence <laughs> we- underwear now. So like, you know, the period yes. underwear I just saw last week, the incontinence underwear that's like, you know, that like wicks the moisture away and you can like pee yourself yes. and never know. And which is right. like, that's great if there's something that takes away shame and makes you more comfortable, but that's right. not a solution to the problem. That's just a Band-Aid. Right. Like, are you going to wear this underwear every day for the rest of your life? <laughs> right. And the fact that we've probably, all of us have heard or seen more of that than we've right. heard or seen the fact that pelvic floor physical therapy exists, that's the problem. Like, right. Right. <laughs> that's what we need to fix in our country. Like, this needs to be first line. And then those items, I'm so glad that they exist, but they need to be, if nothing else works, or in conjunction with while we're getting you better. Right. 
So one of the things that I thought would be my easy solution, because I was not going to do the panty liner thing forever. So I thought I'll just do more Kegels. And even when we had started (laughs) physical therapy, so I knew, and I could feel, and I think some women don't even have the body awareness to do Kegels after they give birth because things are so stretched out. You can't even, it's like, I talk with women about this a lot about abs. And when they come to my classes is that sometimes, you know, for a few months after you've had a baby, you might not be able to feel that you're pulling your abs in. So I had the body awareness to feel my abdominal wall pull in. I had the body awareness to feel that I was doing a Kegel because I had really strong body awareness before getting all through my pregnancy and before giving birth, just because of, I think the nature of my work. But after I remember you giving me exercises, Amy, and I just thought like, if I just do more and more of these, like this will be like my cure all. And if I just do more Kegels and if I just do more, and one of the things that you and I learned, and I have to give myself a little trophy here is that I had an exceptionally strong pelvic floor. So strength was not the problem. Actually, for me, relaxing was the problem. And I don't know if you remember how hard it was for me to relax. Oh, I totally remember, Sarah. You still, to this day, I have seen hundreds of women. And to this day, you still have the record for the strongest pelvic floor I have ever, ever seen. I mean, and I can prove that because I have this little machine that she was talking about. It has electrodes on it or little receptors on it that they basically tell you if the muscle's turning on or not and to what extent. So you can't really use it as a completely reliable tool because you, you know, you place the little things on there different places every time. But anyway, most women, you know, their first time they get up to maybe a 13, maybe a 20, maybe a two, you know, some women have a really hard time turning on. So Sarah, in her first time we ever did this, she was at 80. Like she jumped (laughs) up to 80. I thought I had, you know, my machine was messed up. So I repositioned the little pads and and tried it again. Nope. Even went up to 90. And so, but then you were like, go ahead and relax. And I was like, no, I'm relaxed. And it was like, what? 65. (laughs) Yeah. She was relaxing. Yeah. Like 50 to 60. Yeah. So Sarah was staying on. I mean, there was just no doubt about it. And that brings me to my point about Kegels. Like I hate that word because, and I don't even use it because when I treat women, if I say do a Kegel, they will just squeeze like with everything in them, they'll just squeeze in. And that's what I used to do too. You know, that's what we've heard. Just squeeze that. One of the biggest issues with giving a blanket statement like that is that Kegels, they oftentimes cause more damage. Cause like you were saying, if your muscles are already on and then you make them pump more, that is painful. That's like if you're always holding a bicep curl just a little bit, you know, throughout the day because you want your arm to look toned or you just forget to put down the dumbbell and then you're just walking around, but then you need to go pick up your cup of coffee. You can't like you, one, you don't have any strength left and your bicep is killing you. So the equivalent in the pelvic floor is when you were needing to run or stand up from the couch since your pelvic floor was already on, you didn't have anything to stop it. So you didn't have any way to stop that little bit of leakage. Right. And that's what would happen with running is that as I would go into my run, I'd be like, okay, like just pull in everything really, really tight. Like right? just, just do a Kegel for like 30 minutes. But it was like this, like there was this threshold of like, even though I'm pulling with all my might and I have been for X amount of minutes, the pee was just coming straight out. Because like you said, like at some point you like break the wall and the floodgates right. open and you can't pull it. So it's not a matter of like being turned on and being strong all the time. And I remember right. you had me practicing, like it's a matter of being able to like contract and relax and contract and yes. relax. And mm-hmm. that's and that really takes hard. work. 
It is very hard. It takes a lot of work and concentration. <laughs> and honestly, it takes a lot of manual work on my part to help yeah. you help those muscles to let go. A lot of people are in, in a state of spasm so much that they can't let go on their own. So right. that's where we come in. Yeah. And when Amy talks about the manual part, so she like with her fingers, she can feel your pelvic floor and where the tightness is. And like kind of manually, I don't know if stretch is the right word or massage it mm -hmm. or whatever. And it was never painful for me. But you would even say you'd say like, do you feel the tightness here? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> but but right. you could feel it being tight. And you could kind of, you know, work it out for me. But I certainly could have never done that on my own. Like I couldn't have put my fingers inside of myself to be like, Oh, here's the spot. <laughs> right. You can't do it yourself. Right. I always talk about the vagina. It's like a wine glass. So when you go in, that's the stem of the wine glass. And then you go out into a bowl, into your pelvis. And those muscles all in that bowl, you can't get to those very easily by yourself. Right, right. But also, that's where you can hold so much tension that affects your SI joints. It affects your back. It affects the way that your hips are resting in the hip socket. Like I have a lot of women who come in and they have so much tone on one side. And every time they do like ab work, like in and outs, or they'll go into a squat or lift their leg or whatever, their hip will kind of pop a little bit or not mm. pop, but like a little, like a tendon will roll over or something. Yeah. There's like, oh, I've been doing that for years. Well, that's the tone in the pelvic floor pulling that hip just a little bit off. Right. Which I also mm. had that issue with the popping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. So are there people who are more prone to pelvic floor trouble than other people? I remember you have to tell me your redhead theory, <laughs> yeah. which may or may not be based on science. So you can clarify it, that. It is, <laughs> it is not based on science. But I think some women in my world of pelvic PT, you know, this is talked about too. But women with red hair, for whatever reason, or strawberry blonde, you know, kind of in that realm, they tend to have more pelvic floor issues. And I think just more hypermobility in general, like maybe the collagen is just a little bit more flexible, more mobile. Yeah, Sarah, I remember when you were coming to the clinic in Seattle, at any given point, there was a redhead in my waiting room, <laughs> like, which is rare. You guys are just beautiful, rare breeds, but we are but, very you know, special. You all congregate near, <laughs> near my office. That's so funny. Like when they but, check um, in, yeah. they don't even need to ask who they're seeing. Right, they can right. just be like, they Oh, you're redhead. You're here for Amy. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you guys like probably had like a secret handshake. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> I know why you're here. Well, but I mentioned that to other people and I can't, I'm trying to think of who now, but I mentioned to other redheads, like, you might have this after you have a baby, like just be <laughs> warned. Yeah. Yeah. Of my evals, I probably one in four, one in three, maybe have that. Is that. Crazy. Have, yeah. Cause I'm always telling that story. Yeah. So crazy. Another there, population are, well, a lot of the ladies that I see that, you know, you'll be surprised to hear is that I have a lot of yoga instructors and Pilates instructors, personal trainers, marathon runners, people who are really active and doing a lot with their body, have a lot of body awareness, but it's kind of like what you were saying. It almost can work against you as you can actually either have too much tone or I have a lot of patients that were dancers or are dancers. And I think that, you know, we're taught to hold our pelvis a certain way and a certain posture. And sometimes that can be too much, you know, it just continues on in life and you continue walking 
with your feet turned out or, and that all of that goes into the pelvic floor and plays right. a role in that. So and it might also be that dancers and marathon runners and people who are really into fitness potentially are a little bit type A and potentially <laughs> like there might be something to being anal retentive. <laughs> right. I mean, I would say that for me, that is probably like part of the thing is that if I'm going to do something, I do it 110%. So like when I'm working out, I am like in it and I'm as strong as I can be and all these things. But everything that I do, there's just this like, I carry myself in a very, like when I'm on, I'm on. And I think that that crosses over into very subtle things in your body. Mm, you right. know, so that's like why I have problems sleeping. And maybe it's like I'm just living a constant Kegel. <laughs> so I think that there's some carryover, <laughs> some crossover there between like personality types, potentially even too. <laughs> so, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So tell us what someone can expect when they come in. So in case I've horrified and totally freaked people out and I don't want anyone to be scared to get care. So what can people expect when they come in for an initial evaluation? So what I'm really trying to going in our country, especially and world, but we'll start small, uh, (laughs) is just a standard postpartum PT screening, you know, just get everything checked out, see what needs some work, give you some home exercises or some help with how to lift or hold the baby, make sure everything is nice and relaxed before you start having intercourse again, see if your ribs are flaring, all of this, I just do a full assessment and just to see what your body is doing, check and see if you have a diastasis recti, which is kind of the split and the abdominal wall. 
You'll mostly notice it if you try to do a sit-up. I have a little video for that that I can post. And a lot of women are often familiar with that. And I'll post, I have a little video on one of my old websites that's a great way that you can test for that at home. So I'll post that in the show notes over at uh, shamelessmom.com. Yeah. One thing I've really been working on lately with diastasis too is just the role that the ribs play. So also just checking to make sure. So when you're pregnant, the baby and all of the organs go underneath the ribs. You know, everything just kind of gets pushed up. And a lot of times afterwards, the ribs don't go back down to where they once were. And that's why a lot of women say, you know, my shirts, they fit me more snugly, not just Mm. breast size, but just the circumference of your bra even goes up. And it makes it really difficult for you to get your abdominals back together and get that diastasis taken care of if your ribs are still flaring. So that's something I really, so interesting. really recommend people looking at with yeah. their patients. So if a pelvic PT is listening to this, yeah. then <laughs> check those ribs. It's huge. And also, as soon as you get those ribs down, I can tell that the patient like they will just suddenly start to have a little bit more control over their pelvic floor. It's just synonymous. So but yeah, we check for C-section scar, see how that's healing and or a labial tear scar and if there's any adhesions forming. And, and labial tear would be what happens when you're pushing the baby out, right? The, like many right, will right. have stitches for that. Yes, okay. yes. And your doctor might not have even said, you know, you had a first degree, second degree, third degree, fourth, whatever. Okay. But they might say we had to do three stitches. But, you know, that can lead to scar tissue. And a lot of women mm-hmm. have some discomfort or pain over that scar and wouldn't even know it until they started to have intercourse again. Right. But yeah, so it starts strengthening that we would see what your tone is actually doing. So I would do an internal exam to see what the pelvic floor feels like. So if you have too much tone, not enough tone, if you're able to only turn on one side or if you can't feel anything on the other side, you know, see what you're doing and just address that for whatever you need. And that's honestly what I just want to normalize (laughs) because right now, if you go to the doctor with an ankle sprain, you will get told to rest and ice and elevate and then go to PT for four to six weeks to get it stronger. (laughs) And I'm like, why is this not happening for postpartum? A lot more gets sprained during pregnancy and delivery than an ankle. (laughs) Yes, totally. Let's just get it going. (laughs) And I think that finding someone who's comfortable, and we'll talk a little bit about how to look for someone or how to find a practitioner, but -hmm. finding someone who's comfortable being invasive in the way that you are and invasive can sound like a scary term, but you want someone who can be invasive. And I know that like you can go to someone who specializes in women's health, who doesn't do things in an invasive way. So maybe they're just treating everything, you know, externally and and telling you like, yes, do some Kegels and here's some other ab exercises and core things you can do, but they're not manually feeling like inside. Here's where I feel tightness and injury. I think that Mm -hmm. that is so key. And I think that the importance of finding someone who actually does the internal work is really key. I'm assuming you would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there are some women that are doing some awesome pelvic floor work that don't do internal, but they usually have someone who does do internal that they refer to and and they talk about that with their practice as well. But yeah, I was treating a patient the other day. She has an old back injury and I was thinking, I wish I could just get to her spine and fix that one little facet that's not moving. Like if I could just get there. And then I thought, how lucky are we that as women, we have a canal that we can literally get inside the hip. You know, it's the canal. That's what it is. It's like easy access, you know, 
And we can fix things that literally impact the way that you put weight all the way down to your big toe. You yeah, know, we can yeah. just change your whole future with how you put weight down that leg. Yeah. And I know some of the work that we did, this was right before you left, but you started working on some stuff with like my hips and my back that felt so good. And you were trying to show me like the interconnectedness of like carrying tension in my back and how that related to pelvic floor. And so a lot of times, and again, I think that we just accept these things where you're like, oh, ever since I had my baby, like I've had this back pain or this hip pain or things have just felt a little different. So again, if you're even having those kinds of issues, if you're not having incontinence issues, but maybe just having other kinds of things, seeing PT who specializes in women's health could be so helpful in kind of connecting those dots. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get done with this podcast and be like, oh my gosh, I need to tell them so much more. (laughs) But um, tailbone pain is something that I hear a lot of women say, oh, I've had that for years. And that is so easy to treat. (laughs) Like we just need to just fix the tailbone and get the muscles around the tailbone that are so tight and they're pulling it under. Just help them, help them to stop spasming. And the way that I do that when Sarah was talking about the manual part, so I do a series of soft tissue work where I will hold pressure on a muscle until it stops spasming. And I'll literally feel it kicking, like trying to spasm, and then it'll just settle down. And it just lengthens and just relaxes. It's just the best like feeling to have that done on yourself. I had that done personally. But to feel like you just have a weight lifted off of you. And so many of my patients, when they get up, they're just like, I feel like I can breathe through my pelvis again. Like, I didn't even know that was happening, but I feel different. I feel lighter. Right. Tell us a little bit about how someone could go about finding someone who specializes in the kind of work that you do. Are there certain credentials that you're looking for or what kinds of things would you suggest we look for? Well, the person would have to have had some extra training in this world. I know of a couple directories. I know that the Herman Wallace Institute, that's where I've gotten most of my training, They have a directory of practitioners that might be in your area and the APTA women's health section. They have a directory. I think they only have like a member directory, but yeah, that would be a good place to start. You can also people could just go to the Herman Wallace Institute website and find practitioners. Yeah. But if you have a PT in your area that does specialize in women's health, not all of us get the actual like initials after our name. So you have to just make sure they've had specialized training in the internal pelvic floor um, education. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm typing this now. So specialty in internal pelvic floor work or just pelvic floor physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, Talk about insurance (laughs) because I was lucky enough to have insurance, but I know that's not always the case. And so is it generally covered by insurance? Yeah. So pelvic floor PT is covered just like any other physical therapy services. So Mm -hmm. whatever your physical therapy benefit is. Right. And I know a lot of pelvic floor PTs are actually going to a cash pay model. So don't let that scare you either if that's the case, because one, it's totally worth it. And two, the attention and the care that you are going to get doing pelvic floor PT is it's one-on-one. It's more than just, you know, you go do some exercises. There's a lot more it's, to it. Yeah. And I would agree. Two things on that. I actually see a lot of physical therapy going to cash pay mm-hmm. and very much like personal training. It's interesting. When I first started out as a personal trainer, I thought, I just want to live to the day where personal training is covered by insurance. And now <laughs> what I see happening is that, and I thought personal training could be more like physical therapy in terms of how insurance we would be in network and all that. And now what I see is that that will never happen. And that 
physical therapy is actually moving out of the insurance model in many instances, but you're getting much better care because you're getting these practitioners who just really want to be really amazing practitioners. They don't want to spend half of their day calling insurance companies trying to get like $23. And so the people that I see doing cash-based businesses are phenomenal practitioners. And I think that you have to look at it just like you would personal training. Like this is an investment in myself, you know, and it's not a forever kind of a thing. So it's like, okay, like 10 times I'm going to go do this, but it's a huge investment in myself. And then also if you're paying cash, I think you're so much more likely to do the work in between, which is where (laughs) people fall off the radar all the time. And I see this in personal training when people will have an injury and I say, go to physical therapy. And then they come back to personal training and they're like, well, I'm supposed to do these exercises, but I've only done them like, you know, one time this week. Well, yeah, because your insurance company is paying for this. So it's costing you like a $20 copay. So you're not really that invested. If you're paying out of pocket, you're probably going to really do the work and get right. done more quickly because you're actually right. doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. I don't understand <clears throat> why insurance is paying less and less for physical therapy. I mean, PT is what helps people not have to use insurance because they get better. (laughs) Right, right. And also for the cash pay thing, pads are expensive. I mean, I I think (laughs) that I think the statistic is something like women pay around four hundred dollars a year on incontinence, you know, things. That's fascinating. Either pads or the extra washing of clothes, or you know, I mean, it it adds up. So. That's yeah. a great point, the trade-off it's, that you're it making. It is definitely an investment. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Peeing yourself is definitely... It's expensive. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just one more perk. <laughs> right. <laughs> so is there anything else that comes to mind that you want to share or cover that we haven't touched upon? I mean, we've gone through a lot of information. Is there anything that you want to leave women with? You know I'm going to think of like a dozen things. But <laughs> I, I think the main thing is I really just want to encourage all the mamas all the mamas and all the women, you know, to talk to your doctor about women's health PT, because I have marketed to doctors multiple times and it works so much better when it comes from you ladies, because it's, you see the difference and also you're advocating for yourself. And if we're going to see a change in the model, then I think it has to come from us. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just, just take care of yourself. You do not have to pee and poop when you don't want to (laughs) or have pain with intercourse, tailbone pain, or just pain. You know, if there is a way to help that, then just take care of yourself for you and for your husband and family and future, just life and quality of life. Right. And I think it's a great opportunity to be a good self-advocate, which I think I talk so much about on this podcast about being a self-advocate and Mm self-care and taking care of yourself and standing up for yourself. And this is one of those opportunities, like you're ignoring something significant in your health and in your quality of life if you continue to ignore this. And so this is Amy and I giving you permission to stand up and say, I'm not going to pee myself anymore. Right, right. So Amy, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about motherhood and just touch on how you are a shameless mom. So tell us with these two sweet, adorable little girls, (laughs) how are you a shameless mom? And you can make that in parenting or in work or how that kind of melds together in your life. Yeah. You know, I've struggled with my body image like my whole life. And when I found I was pregnant with my first, I was terrified. I just knew I was going to have a girl. And I did not want her to inherit all these insecurities and shortcomings and all this stuff that I had been dealing with just as a girl. And then as my pregnancy went on, I started to accept 
that I wanted this baby to be a girl. We didn't find out what we were having until she was born. And I also started to accept me in a different way. And I watched my body, which had for so long been a source of animosity that I held on to for way too long. But I watched it just completely go through this crazy metamorphosis <laughs> and then bring a human into the world after 29 hours of labor and no medication. And <laughs> also, I found like this inner goddess like in my delivery. And I truly did. And her voice was like this. You know, you guys know what I'm <laughs> totally. talking about. Like, it's like, it's that voice that comes out of nowhere. Right. And when I had her, I had her on my chest for a full minute before I could even look and see what she was. And then when I saw she was a girl, it didn't even surprise me. It's like my body knew and I just wanted to be different. And I feel like to this day, like that just changed me. And I am, I feel shameless. Like I don't hold on to those things that I had for so long. And I just want her to be so brave and confident. And I think she helped me overcome a lot of that. And I want to do the same for the rest of my life with her that is so and cool. both of my girls. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Describe the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into that? My legacy, I hope, is to help build up this empire of strong women, to help enable them to be at their full potential and not be hindered by any limitations that can or and should be treated. And my dream, and I know this will happen, but my dream is that when my girls have their babies, if they choose to have babies, for them to be a part of a postpartum healthcare model that takes care of them from the beginning, like to the end, and that they'll think it's strange that having postpartum PT was once unheard of. I just want it to be normal and right. available to all women. Yes. Amen. So we're going to do our shameless mommy minute in just a second here. But before we do that, can you tell us where we can find you if we want more information about all yeah. of this or want to be able to contact you? So my website is moyphysicaltherapy.com. That's my employment work, you know, website, but my Facebook page. Yeah. And my Facebook page, I have a business page that would probably be a little bit better. I think it's facebook.com Amy Moses PT. And that's where I post, you know, a lot of articles and just some of the things that are relevant in our journey towards pelvic PT for all. (laughs) And just a way to contact me. That's a little bit more specific to what I'm doing. And And how do you spell the name of your clinic? Moy Physical Therapy, M-O-Y-E Physical Therapy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I will have links for both of those pages on the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 100, you can find links to both of those. All right. So do you have one minute left to do a little lightning round with us? Okay. Red wine or white wine? Okay. You cannot judge me. (laughs) What? But I'm not a wine drinker. I know. I know. Seattle ruined me. I mean, one of the things I miss most about Seattle are the micro brews. So, and Memphis has some great local brews too. But the Mac and Jack's Amber Ale was my first love. Did did I I can't let it go? I probably never told you. Did I tell you about my neighbor, Mac and Jack? No. So. Okay, little tangent from our lightning round. So when we moved into our house that we live in right now, this little woman was living behind us in her mid-80s. She'd raised six kids in this like tiny little three-bedroom house right behind us. And we went to meet her one day and she says to my husband, and I was kind of offended. She looks at my husband. She goes, do you like beer? She did not ask me, by the way. She's like, do you like beer, Vince? And he's like, yeah. And then she goes, have you ever heard of Mac and Jack? And she said it just like that. And I was like, this is so weird. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, my son is 
is Jack. <laughs> and she was so sweet and so cute. And we ended up spending a long time in her house. And yeah, she wasn't interested in knowing if I drank beer or if I liked right, Mac right. and Jack. <laughs> So funny. Sarah, it's just because you already had your wine glass in right. your hand. Isn't that right? <laughs> right. Just carrying it through the neighborhood. Yeah. So tell us the current book you're reading or the last one you read. Well, my husband got me a book by Grace Bonney, and it's kind of like one of those coffee table books, but it's called In the Company of Women. It was a great gift. I was really impressed. So I'm reading one story for each woman a night. That's kind of fun. Oh, so just cool. Kind of I will link to awesome that in the women. show notes. That sounds Oh, yeah. Really it's cool. a great book. Cool. Yeah, you'll be in there someday. <laughs> well, I think Volume you will be two. too. We'll be in there together. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> What's your favorite non-work-related thing to do with time to yourself? On my days off, I go to coffee shops and just sit. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Like, I love it so much. It makes me giddy. So pre-kids, I used to do that all the time. And now it's like a special treat. So yeah. that's oh, my that's thing. So great. Who's your biggest inspiration? My girls. They are pretty awesome. I wish you guys could meet them somehow. They're awesome. But yeah, I don't know. That's why I do what I do. I truly want the world to be different for them when they're my age. Yes. And like I mentioned earlier. So I totally yeah. get that. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? Definitely the ability to freeze time for a bit because I just sometimes just need to catch up <laughs> or like savor a moment or you yes. know, catch the glass that's falling or totally. uh, the child. And no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to stop any of the things in my life that I'm doing. So mm. I just need a little bit more time. Right, right. And you want to make those magical moments last for a little longer so that yes. the not so magical ones are like seem smaller <laughs> and less significant. Yes, yes. Amy, thank you so much for spending time with us today at the Shameless Mom Academy. This has been so helpful and informative. And I just really, really appreciate the work that you're doing and also how you're giving women a voice and an opportunity to step into their power and get some help with something that maybe they would otherwise continue to ignore. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited. And congrats on 100 episodes. Yes. Yay. Okay. Now we have to like go pop some champagne. Yes. <laughs> Okay, mamas, I have a big ask of you. I always ask at the end of an episode for you to share if you feel like this episode might be helpful to someone else. I want you to share this episode no matter what, because here's the thing. I'm not going to say you need to put this up there and be like, hey, everyone on Facebook, I pee my pants and you should all listen to this. But just say that, hey, this would be a great thing for my mom friends to listen to. Because here's the thing. We don't talk about this as much as we should. I'm kind of an open book. So like all of my friends know my history with peeing my pants and that has helped them open up about their history of peeing their pants, which almost every single person who I know who's given birth has had an experience with this. But so many people are suffering with this. So many people are keeping this this quiet, private matter. You don't have to be a victim to like painful sex and pelvic pain and back problems and ongoing physical disabilities because of pelvic floor dysfunction. You don't have to pee your pants every time you work out. You don't have to not do certain exercises because you don't have bladder control. So this is a really, really critical episode for people to share. So I'm begging and pleading that you share this out with people. So you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 100 
100, that will give you the link. Or you can find us on our social media channels on Instagram or Facebook if you go to the Shameless Mom Academy. And the episode will be posted there and you can share from there. So please don't hesitate to share this out among your friends and family who you think might benefit. And again, you probably don't know who this is going to benefit. So just share it out there and say, hey, like I learned a few things and there were some funny stories. So sending this out there to all my mamas. Also, if this was helpful and you want to leave a review on iTunes for us, that would be so helpful and empowering for other women to know that this is information that we all need and want to hear. And you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. There'll be a little button there where it says write a review. You can leave a review. That will also be give you the opportunity to subscribe to our show. So every Monday and Wednesday, I put out new episodes and you can have immediate access to those episodes if you subscribe to the podcast. So again, you just go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, click on the little subscribe button and you can leave a review while you're there. And if you want to get in touch with Amy or any of the resources that she left for us, you can go over to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 100. Everything that we've mentioned in the show will be there, plus some links that Amy has sent me in terms of other ways that you might be able to get the resources and the help that you need. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you found this episode really educational and maybe a little bit entertaining. I hope that our stories gave you some inspiration to go be an amazing self-advocate for your women's health care moving forward. And please do feel free to send me, if you have any follow-up questions, Amy said she would love to do a Q&A episode. So if you have questions on anything that we talked about today, send me the questions. We can totally do a follow-up episode q and We would be happy to do that. Or I can just put you in touch with Amy directly if there's something that you want her to follow up with of a more personal nature. So do not suffer in silence. We can all rehab our pelvic floors and live a more comfortable, confident life. And with that going forward, have a fantastic day. Come back and listen again in a couple days to our next episode. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.